it was so refreshing to hear these people that you admire so much go, oh yeah, I hear my inner critic every day. Or, you know, oh yeah, I feel like an imposter every single time I show up at an art show. And it's just like this, oh, and when they admit it, you know, it kind of gives you license to go, okay, well, I feel like that too, but I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm just going to power forward like they do. You're listening to the Creative Habits Podcast, exploring the boundaries of creativity with artists from around the globe. And now your host, Wyatt Christman. Hey, this is Wyatt with the Creative Habits Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. This week, we've got Danielle Christus. She's the person behind the Jealous Curator. Yeah, this is going to be good. If you've ever felt a tinge of jealousy for other artists and who hasn't, right? Then you'll love the show we had this week. And we delve into a bit of the inner critic and give you some tools to overcome it. So, enjoy the show. All right, this is Wyatt with Creative Habits Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. And this week, we've got Danielle Chris on the line. And Danielle, so great to have you on the show. Uh, why don't you let people know who you are for those that don't know you? Okay, um, well... <laughs> I write a blog called The Jealous Curator. It's a contemporary art blog I've been writing for about seven and a half years. And because of that, I've ended up writing some books about art. And um, I'm an artist myself and a designer by day and a curator. And so the list goes on. But that, in a nutshell, is me. Yeah, The Jealous Curator. Curator is is such a great uh, website, and it really, for those that uh, don't know, uh, the start of that was uh, you, you know being jealous of other artists, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. you turned all that on its head, though that jealousy that you saw, you saw art, and you were very jealous of of the ideas. Oh, why didn't I think of that? And then you mm-hmm. turned it on its head, and that's a a lot of it. it seems like um, you are able to turn a lot of things on on its head, like uh, you know writer's block and. Uh, creative blocks, uh, kind of turn them on their head. So can you tell us a little bit, um, you know, about that, that magic that happened when you were able to turn jealousy on its head? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it wasn't so funny when I started because it wasn't, I, I wasn't starting a blog to get an audience or anything. And it was just, I was having a really hard time. I went to art school. I have a BFA in painting and printmaking and, um, I took a huge break from it. Um, I was a designer for years and just basically had a giant 15-year artist block. And um, and then when I wanted to get back into it, and I started looking around on the internet, and I just found so many people that I loved, but it was inspiring mixed with crushing. You know, it was just like, oh my God, like everything's been done. And it just kind of broke me. And um, my husband, who's a social media strategist, he said, you know, I think you should start a blog and just document all these people that you love. And it was actually him. He said, you know, and I was, I was so jealous. I knew immediately I would call it the jealous curator. And he said, you know, the funny thing with jealousy, because I kept it inside for years and years and years. I would, you know, just, and it's toxic inside. And he said, you know, if you say it out loud, it will become admiration. And, you know, I didn't really buy it at first, but then as I started writing posts and I never say anything negative. It's always praising them and like why I love it and, you know, why I wish it was my work. It really didn't take very long. Like within a couple of months, suddenly that jealousy was going away. And, um, I mean, the journey just kind of continued after that. There would be, um, you know, a couple of years in, it started to be, I started to realize that, oh, I'm not the only one that's jealous. And then I started to realize, oh, 
I'm not the only one that gets blocked. Oh, I'm not the only one with an inner critic. Like it was super narcissistic, but I thought I was the only person experiencing all of that because I never talked about it. And as soon as I started reaching out to this amazing community that was sort of being built around me, you know, you kind of realize like, oh my God, every, I was going to say every creative person, but every human feels like that. And uh, suddenly it was just, it started to become, um, yeah, easy to flip things on its head when you had this tribe around you. Nice. So you started that process, it sounds like, through writing uh, yeah. And that writing process allowed you to uh, put it out into the open to other people so that other people could see it um, and then reflect that back to you and and say, hey, we believe in this. So mm-hmm. so that that writing is almost like a, a, a journalistic process, right? You put, put it onto paper where you can get it out and really reinforce the idea that, hey, you know, this jealousy is actually an admiration. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because it was very journalistic in that I never expected anyone to read my blog. Like it was truly self-help. It was truly just therapy for me because I'm a very visual person. And so, you know, I had this giant bookmarks list, but it's sort of like I just needed to see it in a catalog form, you know, like see the work, write about it next day, do it again, do it again, do it again. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, a couple months in, there were followers. And people commenting, going, me too, I totally get it. And I was like, what? You know, I I couldn't even believe people were reading it. And so it was so cathartic for me just writing the post, but then even more so when this this community started to build and you just realize you're not alone. It gives you so much power. You know, it gives you strength to take risks because you've got these other people doing it around you. Right. And, yeah. and really, uh, anybody can take that same idea. The beauty of it is it doesn't have to be necessarily a blog. It can be no. a journal. You, you can get that out, those ideas on paper and you can actually connect with people already, such mm-hmm. as your, your own community uh, that you have and, and others around the web where you can connect with all kinds of people feeling the same thing so you don't have to feel that sense of isolation. And you don't mm-hmm. have to wait to build up that community. You can connect to existing, right? I mean, yeah. Like, oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. And you know, actually, one of the funny things you had uh, Mary Jo Dion on your podcast not long ago, and she's a very good friend of mine. And when Jealous Curator first started, and it really was just me, and nobody was, you know, except my dad, you know, was reading it. Um, I I realized this, like exactly what you're saying. I was like, oh my god, it feels so good to write it down and think about it and, you know, put it out in the world, even if nobody's really reading it. Um, and I thought, I want to kind of try it in real life. And Mary Jo and I at the time, um, we were friendly co-workers. Like I really liked her, but we weren't super close friends. But she was, I was so jealous of her for so many things. Like she just had so many cool things going on in her life. And I just, it seemed like everything she touched turned to gold. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this in person. And I was so nervous and I felt like an idiot, but I, I invited her for a coffee and we went and sat on a patio and had a latte and um, I just said it. I was like, so here's the deal. <laughs> you know, I'm crazy jealous of you. And she almost spit out her latte. She was laughing so hard and she was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I'm jealous of you. And I was like, what? And so it you know, when we pointed out all the amazing things about each other that neither of us was really seeing in ourselves. And we were like, oh, we are kind of awesome. (laughs) And 
it was really cool. And so now I do that purposely now. And I give that advice, especially to like when I speak at high schools and stuff, it's like, you know what? Just own it, name it, say it out loud. Um, it takes that toxicness when you bottle it up, that turns to poison. But when you say it out loud, whether you write it down or you say it to the person, it turns it into admiration. And chances are they, they think that of you. That's beautiful. And to take that step beyond the writing and to actually reach out to someone to say that, wow, that. Yeah, I was nervous. Exactly. Because that, you know, with social situations, that can backfire completely. And it didn't. And so to have a supportive uh, friend who can reflect that back to you and actually show your own strengths, wow. That, yeah. that was a, a definite moment right there, a turning yeah. point. Wow. It was, yeah. and it was early on. And so I've, you know, I've done it since then because I had the confidence from that experience. And every time I've done it since then, it's always received so well. Like, who doesn't want to hear that you think they're awesome? Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> but then you've gone on to, you know, beyond, beyond that, you've gone on to help other people through your writing. Um, your first book was The Creative Block, mm-hmm. and you've, you've used that uh, medium to help, help other people, uh, correct, yeah. beyond your website. Um, what, what made you go and, and, and write that, that book? Uh, well, Chronicle Books in San Francisco had approached me to do a book, and I think they and I probably thought it would be a coffee table book, you know, with my favorite 200 posts or whatever. And then right around then, I was doing these workshops because I was just starting to notice a lot of the comments on my site were the same. They were people going, oh my gosh, me too. I feel so insecure. Oh my gosh, this, this, this. And so I started doing these workshops uh, for women called Girl Crush, and where I would host them in the studios of female artists um, all over the U.S. And 12 to 15 women would come and we'd spend the whole day and we would talk about this. And what shocked me was every city I went to, it could have been the exact same conversation. Like it was, I mean, it was laughable how exact same topics came up. And that was right around when Chronicle asked me to pitch an idea. So I went back to them and I said, you know what? I really want to talk about blocks and inner critics and self-doubt. And I want to reach out to 50 working artists because they're human, so they must get blocked, but they all have careers. So they obviously don't let it stop them. Like I let it stop me for 15 years. They obviously don't because they've got careers. And so I said, I want to reach out to these people and just interview them and ask. And um, I said to my editor, you know, if, if this helps, and I truly meant this, like, I mean, it was partly, this book was for me too. It was again, self-therapy, but I said, you know, if this helps one person realize they're not alone or realize that these people that they assume haven't made have issues too, but the difference is that they don't quit, you know, that'll be enough for me. And so we didn't, you know, I didn't know what would happen with this book and it just went crazy because I think people could relate to it. You know, they, they, it was so refreshing to hear these people that you admire so much go, oh yeah, I hear my inner critic every day or, you know, oh yeah, I feel like an imposter every single time I show up at an art show. And it's just like this, oh, and when they admit it, you know, it kind of gives you license to go, okay, well, I feel like that too, but I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm just going to power forward like they do. So that's sort of how it all came together. And, oh, it was just the best experience ever. 
Yeah, nice. And that um, experience, you know, allowed you to reach more people, which is great because it's a message that a lot of people not only need to hear, but actually implement and, and utilize in their life. What yeah. What types of tools do you use to make sure that you're actually applying that whole idea of, you know, appreciation on a regular basis? Because it's easy to, I, I think the mind, you know, can naturally kind of slip into that other place and you know you at least from my perspective it's kind of a conscious effort to to Mm. keep it back on track and say no you know what this is um you know flip this on its head um yeah so well in the book i it was so funny because i really i mean i wasn't doing any of it which is why i think i did that book you know i i i think i actually have it in my intro where it's like you know um you often hear that people who go and study psychology actually have issues of their own, and that's why they chose to go into psychology. That's why I think I did this book, because I needed help. Like I wanted to know how to flip this stuff on its head, and I figured these guys had the answers. And so their interviews are very insightful. There's a lot of common themes that come up, so you start to realize, like, oh, okay, like this is how they all kind of handle things. And then at the end of each interview, I ask them to give an unblocking project. So like a really quick little... You know, like, what do they do when they're feeling stuck? And so each one of them gave one of those. So I started doing those. And um, that really, really, really helped. And the thing is, your inner critic, what I really admired about those guys is that they all have an inner critic. But lots of them have learned to work with it. And that just comes from, you know, telling it where to go when it gets really loud and continuing to work. Like all of them say they show up every morning in their studio, whether they're in the mood or not. Uh, They might work in the studio for eight hours and everything they make is terrible. But the next day they go and they do it again. Where I would go to the studio and if I made something terrible, I would just not make anything for three months. (laughs) And then when you do that, your inner critic wins and it gets louder and louder and louder. But if you show up again the next day and you do something great, and you know, this applies to writing and music and cooking and parenting and everything, right? Like if you just keep showing up and doing it again and doing it again, that voice gets quieter and quieter because it loses its power. And so I just took the advice that those guys gave and I really take it to heart and I just keep showing up. And and that's good because you know w- w- without showing up you you end up letting time just go by it slips by very very quickly. Right? Mm-hmm. So- well, that's the thing. Like, I wasted fifteen years, you know. And when I talk to students and stuff, I say like, please, you know, I make them swear. I did this big workshop a couple months ago, and I made them all take an oath at the end that you know, if something like if you have a terrible critique, which I did in university, that stopped. That's what stopped me. Um, um, there's a quote in Creative Block that says uh, by Amanda Happe, and she said, the great thing about negative criticism is you don't have to care. No one can wrestle the pencil out of your hand. You get to keep going in absolute defiance. And I love that so much. And I realized when I read that quote that I put my pencil down. You know, I blamed him. I, he he made this this prof that gave me a terrible critique. I blamed him and said, you know, oh, he, he stopped me from painting. It's like, no, he didn't. I stopped me. And so I make all these kids swear that, you know, if they have a bad crit or they, you know, they've made a terrible painting that they hate so much that they will not follow in my footsteps, <laughs> that they will, in fact, get up the next day and pick up their pencil, their pen, their paintbrush, whatever, and go again. 
And I said, on those days when you're feeling terrible, I said, you just remember this lady that's standing in front of you right now saying this, and you pick up your pencil and you go again, because I wasted 15 years and I will not allow that to happen to any of you. Yeah, that's a great reminder. And, and you know, part of that, I find ways to disable um, that critic uh, that you mentioned uh, is through play. Yeah. And play is so powerful for basically removing that critic. And also just letting, you know, I'm just going to play with this. and Who, who knows what's going to happen? So mm-hmm. can you talk a bit about your perspective on play and, and how it works with, um, you know, the, the, the stuff that you do? The writing. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, you know, I used to be, this was my huge problem beforehand was that I'd get very precious about things. And I now realize that's a big problem for a lot of people. So if I had a canvas in front of me, I was terrified to put that first stroke down because what if I wrecked it? So instead I would just think and I would think and I would think and I would just never make anything. Same with writing. You know, you could just stare at the screen and just be like, unless that first word's perfect, I'm not going, you know? And, um, and so play really comes in and experimenting where you cut yourself some slack. And so now what I do, and this was advice from um, a ton of the artists in the book was, you know, have a stack of crappy paper. Like, don't buy the super fancy, you know, expensive stuff that you're scared to ruin because you spent all this money. Just chop up, you know, don't even make it perfect edges. Just chop up a bunch of paper, have a big stack, and start. And if the first one's not great, into the recycle bin. Go again, go again, go again. And if you think of them as as experiments, very often, like say out of that stack of 25, you might have two that you actually really like. So then the next day when you go back into the studio, work with those two and maybe you now, you know, you your paper's a little bit nicer and a bit bigger or whatever. And then, you know, you take those ideas, those little nuggets that came out of just fooling around. You know, I've done that. They've turned into full series. So it's just giving yourself the permission to wreck stuff, make mistakes. Like there are no mistakes. You can just, you know, there's happy accidents. So just chill out. Like, you know, I think so many people get so, oh my God, if it's not perfect, I can't do it. First of all, there's no such thing as a perfect book, a perfect paragraph, a perfect painting. It it doesn't exist. So why put that pressure on yourself? You know, so that's where play comes in is just relaxing and enjoying the process of making. You know, I always say too, you know, when you were little and we would put on plays in the backyard or you'd write a little book or you'd sew something or paint something, you didn't care what people thought. You didn't care if it ended up in a gallery. You didn't care if it got published. You just made stuff. And so play is sort of finding that childlike joy again and just rolling around in it and enjoying it. And, and, and it is. And you've got that, that moment when you can say, okay, I've, I've done something. I like it. And, and it, it goes out in the world and then you get, you get critics for it, right? Mm-hmm. Criticized for it. So in, in that sense, you're proud of the creation, but you find that maybe some other people aren't as proud. So what, uh, what balance is there between, um, you know, your being okay with, with what you've got and other people saying, ah, you know, this, uh, so, uh, yeah. how do you keep that sprightly play about you while also allowing the world to incorporate a bit of their co-creation in, into your process? Because it's good to get feedback, you know, and it's yeah. good to incorporate things. Um, so h- how do you, um, wh- what are some tools for being able to, uh, adjust, you know, mm-hmm. even though you're not, you're not saying it's not good, but you're taking some, 
Feedback, let's say. <laughs> well, yeah, feedback is such a better word. Um, I think you have to, first of all, think, you have to s- stop and realize where that feedback's coming from. Like, if you say you do something and you put it out on Instagram or you put it out on a blog and some nasty internet troll says something horrible, like, you can't take, there's no value in that. You know, like, they're just looking to get a rise out of somebody and, it, you know, they're just hiding behind a monitor and saying something mean. So, it's really hard not to let that bother you, but you have to consider the source, you know? So I often don't share work until I'm super, super happy with it. And I really don't care what anybody thinks. Um, or when I do want actual feedback, um, I reach out to people I trust, uh, other artists or, you know, people that, well, usually for me, it is, it's visual artists that, I, that I've written about who have become friends with whose opinion and work I really appreciate. And I'll, send them stuff and go, what do you think? Like, you know, do you, you know, I'm going down this path and this path. And the thing is they give feedback that's actually helpful where it's criticism in that it's, you know, they're not saying, oh, it's perfect. Don't touch it. But it's feedback in that they're like, you know what? I think this is really strong. This isn't really working for me. So maybe, well, you know, what if you thought about this, this, and this? And so proper feedback gets you excited and moves you forward Criticism that just comes from jerks online is meant to stop you in your tracks. So, you know, you really have to consider the source and then take whatever little nuggets you can. And like, even if you have a trusted source tell you, change this, change that, if, if you don't agree, you don't have to do it, but it's worth giving it a shot. Um, like these collages I've been doing lately have really crazy titles. And an artist that I love wrote me and said, have you ever thought about incorporating the crazy title onto the piece, like paint it on or write it on? And I didn't want to, but I really respect her. So I was like, well, you know, I'll give it a whirl. And I did it and I really didn't like it. And I was like, no, I'm cool going back my way, you know, but it's worth trying, you know? So yeah, I tell kids that too all the time, like trust, you know, if, if it's the source that you trust, give it a whirl. If it's not, do your very, very best to delete and move on. Right. So it's good to have that uh, inner circle of yes. uh, people you can get feedback that you trust and you can get feedback on a regular basis. So you're not, you, you know, it, it's good to get that feedback, but incorporate I like that, you know, you're like, okay, well, I tried it. Nah, you know, <laughs> I'll keep yeah. it the way I like it, you know. Well, and another artist that I, I love, Sarah G. Miller, she's from Vancouver, um, is a really good friend of mine, and I, I really, really trust her opinion. And so I was showing her these collages that I'd been working on. I hadn't shown anyone. I showed her, and I, she said, oh, my God, they're great, they're great, they're great. Then I went home, and I emailed her, and I said, that was very nice that you said they're great, but do you have any feedback, yeah. like actual <laughs> feedback? And, you know, I was scared because, you know, people saying, yeah, it's great. It's like, great, let's stop there. <laughs> but I kind of... I thought, well, that can't be it, you know? And so she said, well, she's like, I love the look of them, but they didn't really mean anything. They were just very graphic, like, you know, bright colors and whatever. And she said, I wish they meant something. Like, I wish there was a narrative, like, I, you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I totally get that. And so I thought on it a bit. And then the new series I'm doing does have a narrative. And so we talked about that later. And she was like, I love the new work. And so it was really like, that's what I mean about where that feedback comes from. And, you know, if if you can find that tribe, I mean, I didn't have it for a really long time. The thought of showing anyone my work after going through university and you have to go through critiques and put your work up there and 
oh, just get slammed. You know, for years I was like, show somebody my work? Like, no, thank you. That just sounded horrible to me. And then everything that came back from Creative Block was saying, find your tribe, find people you can talk to, find people you can share your work with and, you know, learn to give them feedback. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing that at all. And so I've been working quite hard to find that little group. And I probably only have three or four people, but it's kind of all you need. Yeah, because you trust them and you value yeah. what they say. It'd be great to go back and be able to change that artistic, the, the university's process, uh, you yeah. know, and be able to say, hey, instead of slamming, why don't, why don't you, we, you know, develop our, uh, some inner circles and, and, and try to, you know, kind of support through the process, um, you know, instead of just slam, slam. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think if I'd been older, I mean, it's so, you're so young, you know, I showed up in university at 18 or whatever. I think if I'd been older and a bit more confident, I could have found, I could have worked a bit harder to find my tribe there. Yeah. I was just so shell shocked by getting slammed that I just retreated inward and just stayed in there. <laughs> you know, like I didn't even paint in the studios we were given. I would paint in my res room because I didn't want people to see what I was doing. Right. Because I was so scared of being criticized, you know? And I kept that with me for, like, until Creative Block came out. Like, for 20 years, I kept that with me. And then I was like, okay, all the artists were like, no, you have to find your people. And boy, are they right, you know? And it has really changed my work. It's changed, I mean, it takes 100 pounds off your shoulders to have, you know, those people. Well, you, you, you had that on your shoulders for so many years, and then you used, uh, you know, the, the jealousy and the, you know, the creative block, the writing that. You've used all that as therapy to get through all those years of, of having that weight on your shoulder, and now it's off. Yeah. You know? And you've actually helped other people get their weight off their shoulders as well. I know. That, that's the craziest part to me. Because, I mean, I'm still, it's still every day I kind of, you know, work on stuff. And then I get these beautiful emails where, you know, people say, like, I haven't made in 10 years and I'm working again. And it's because of, you know, either the book or the podcast or the blog or all of it. And it's like... It makes me so happy and it kind of stuns me because, you know, I'm in my little town and, you know, I'm just doing my thing. And then, and then all of a sudden you realize like, wow, this, I'm so happy that it's helping other people because it's the worst feeling to feel alone like that. And to know that, you know, there's this whole jealous curator community that is sort of coming alive and, you know, people are starting to meet in groups in cities without me even being there, you know, and, and it's just the coolest thing. Like if someone had told me this when I was that little scared, you know, 19, 20 year old in, in art school, that this would be happening 20 some years later. I, I mean, it's so thrilling to me. It's, it's the hero's journey right there. You, oh, it's crazy. You, now, you've got a new book uh, that's coming out. Yeah. Um, your inner, inner critic is a big jerk, right? Yeah. Can you give us some insight into that? Now, people, you know, and 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 how you've um, what what made you go with that title, and and you know what? Took well, that? actually, that title was supposed to be "Your Inner Critic is an Asshole," oh. but <laughs> but uh, Barnes and Noble would carry it, so oh. <laughs> we changed it because um, you kind of want Barnes and Noble carrying it. But um, <laughs> you had to change it to Big Jerk. Yeah. Well, uh. well. 
Yeah. <laughs> but there is a donkey on the cover, so we've got a little wink to the ass. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's why there's, that's yeah, why. That's why there's okay. donkey on there, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, well, so Creative Block came out and, like, did really well, which, you know, surprised me. I kind of couldn't believe it. And then so my editor reached out and said, it's doing so well. I think you need to do, you know, you need to write a new book. And I was like, okay. So I basically pitched Creative Block 2. And I was just going to do more interviews, but with like, you know, different people. And so I sent that pitch in and she said, yeah, no. Um, (laughs) She said, (laughs) she phoned me. She rarely phones. So, you know, it's a big deal when she phones. And she said, uh, no, she said, I think it's time for you to write. No more interviews. She said, this needs to be 10 chapters of your voice with everything that you've learned in the last couple of years. Nice. And I just went silent and I said, oh my God, like, do you really think I can pull that off? (laughs) And she said, yeah, there's this book you should read. It's called Creative Block. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so, I mean, I don't consider myself a writer. I was never trained in it. Like, you know, I just write a blog post every day. It's like, you know, 100 to 200 words. And uh, this is supposed to be 30,000 words. And, um, she really guided me and helped me. And, you know, she basically said, think of it as the longest blog post you've ever written in your life. And, um, it was really cool. It was overwhelming at the beginning because I had so many things I wanted to say and I couldn't figure out how to organize them. And so basically I ended up coming up with 10 buckets. I had these post-its on my wall. I had 10 buckets of things I wanted to cover. And every time I had a little random thought, I'd put a sticky note under that bucket until that bucket was full enough to make it a proper chapter. And um, so, yeah, there's stuff about um, dealing with jealousy. There's a chapter about dealing with criticism. There's one about how blank pages are absolutely terrifying and blinding, you know, and uh, it kind of covers the gamut. And again, it was total therapy. Like, I do not know how many times I cried writing that book because it was forcing me to face some demons. You know, there's a whole chapter about sharing, and I wasn't sharing any of my work at the time when I was writing it. And I was like, what a hypocrite. And so I started sharing my work on Instagram and felt what it felt like to share. And I reached out to these people, and I was like, okay. So as I was writing the chapters, I was (laughs) forcing myself to live it. And again, I just came out feeling like a new person. And so, yeah, it comes out October 11th. And, um, I'm really excited, but I'm nervous too, because, you know, it's a lot to put out in the world. It is, but that's, that's, uh, that's a true writing process right there. You're, yeah, you, sure. you cry through it, you live it. You're yeah. actually saying, hey, wait a minute, you know what, if I'm going to write this, let me live it. Let me, let me go through it and really, really, you know, grok it, really yeah. feel it, you know? And uh, that's, that's good. I, I love that, you know, and the buckets. That's um, yeah. always a good thing to have because so many ideas they fly by and you don't really capture them but if you have those buckets to put them in and you allow yourself the process you know step by step just and you fill them and you go right wow and it made it so much easier when I went to write that specific chapter because I'd have like 17 bullet points you know that were all these little random thoughts but then you're like well you know this point and this point are kind of the same so you'd squish those together and you'd be like okay and you could see how to form the chapter where when I first signed well it was so funny when I first signed the book deal I was ignorantly 
pumped. Like I was just like, oh, you know, there's no pressure. I'm not a writer. So nobody's going to expect this to be like (laughs) well-written. And so, you know, I'll just do, how hard can a book be, you know? And so um, in my little town, a friend of mine owns this beautiful restaurant on the lake and um, they just put me in a little closed area up in this booth overlooking the lake so I could work all day and have quiet, you know? So I got up there with my laptop and my little pink notebook and I was like, I'm going to write a book now. And I opened Microsoft Word and it was just this white rectangle. And I was like, oh no, (laughs) I don't even know where to start. And I had a full on anxiety attack. Like my heart was beating in my throat and I was just, I started crying in this restaurant and I spent the first 20 minutes of my session, of my little working session, brainstorming how to get out of the deal. Oh no. I had signed the paperwork, but they hadn't paid me anything yet. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I will just call and tell them not to send the check and we'll just rip up the contract. It's cool. I don't have to do this. Oh, no. And and so then I thought, well, I'll write this. And so my intro is basically me saying, okay, like I'm having a panic attack. And uh, and then I sent that to my editor. She's like, love it. Keep going. Oh, I, was no. like, <laughs> I was like, okay. So, you know, when I was working on the final chapters about creative blocks and as I headed into that chapter, I felt like I had nothing to say about creative blocks because I don't know, I talk, I've done lots of talks about it and stuff. And I just thought, well, I don't, I was blocked about writing about blocks. And so I just said that, like, you know, I was like, well, and it was a good way for me to start writing, you know, and sometimes you'd go back and delete that first paragraph, but sometimes I'd just be like, here's the deal. I'm trying to write a um, chapter about blocks and I'm completely blocked. Like I would just call it like it was because that's the whole thing with this whole inner critic, self-doubt, jealousy is just owning it and calling it. If you try and put bravado on it, if you try and like, you know, push it down inside of you, it backfires. As soon as you can just go, yeah, you know, like those professional artists who are like, oh yeah, I have an inner critic and the guy's an asshole. And then you're like, oh cool, me too. (laughs) So I just owned it through that whole process. And, you know, I hope people like the book. I hope they get something out of it. Um, I did. So, you know, I really hope like, again, if, if it makes a difference to one person, I'll, I'll see it as a success. So nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's that authenticness coming out. People can connect with you when you're actually (laughs) in it, you know, in the thick. Yeah. 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 That's how I've always tried to be, you know, like I, I just have tried to just be very, me. When I started the blog, that's what my husband said. You know, I was like, what's, you know, there's so many art blogs out there. What's, what's the point? And, you know, he said, the difference between your art blog and everyone else's art blog is you. You're the only difference. So it has to be your voice and your opinion and, you know, write the way that you talk. And so I've always done that. And, you know, with the right, same with writing the book, like it's very, conversational sounding. Like I couldn't write fancy, you know, I just write the way that I talk. And then I think I feel more comfortable. Hopefully the readers feel more comfortable. And I mean, it's the only way I know how to do it. So yeah, it's that voice. It's your voice and it's finding that voice. And that's why, you know, it was your editor pushed and said, no, this needs to be you and your voice. Yeah. And that's so beautiful that you got pushed into that. 
Um, she's the best. She, yeah. Her name's Kate Woodrow. She was with Chronicle Books for years, and then she's just gone out on her own um, and started her own um, agency. And so now she's technically not my editor. Now she's my literary agent. But she, I know for me, she'll still act as a bit of an editor because she's so good at it and just so good at guiding without without telling you what to do. Just, oh, she was just a, a godsend. And, and you need that. You need to be pushed a little bit. And yeah. you're, you're, uh, you've got such an amazing, um, you know, process with how you've, uh, you know, flipped things on their head as we talked from the beginning. And now, uh, you, you know, you're being pushed into the, this next book, you, you know, your inner critic is a big jerk and, and putting that out in the world. And, uh, and what's your, your next step? Because you, you want to keep going with your story and being mm-hmm. able to, instead of spin in one place, you know, because you could, yeah. because you're wildly successful at, at what you're doing. So, and you've pushed, pushed a bit with this next book. What's the next, like, big push? And how will you, you kind of, what, what's a good tool to kind of, for other people to use too, to kind of keep themselves going and not necessarily just sit in one place with their artistic process. Mm -hmm. Well, like after creative block came out, I was so happy and I just thought I'm very goal oriented. And so every time something great happens, I'm like, yeah, yeah. What's next? Yeah. Yeah. What's next? And when creative block came out, I wasn't like that. I was so proud of myself. And I thought, you know, if nothing else happens after this, I'm good. Like I was just so proud. Mm -hmm. And then but then, yeah, you don't kind of want to stop because you realize you're making some kind of difference to people. But I had no ideas. Like Kate said, you know, what's your next book? And I was like, I don't know. Um, but I was going out on the Creative Block book tour and I would, I mean, I'd go and talk, but I always find the most interesting part is when I'm done talking and I shut up and we do the Q&A or you talk to people after. And I just kept getting, I call them Me Too stories. I got me too story after me too story. So I started jotting them down when I, when I'd get back to the hotel and then I called Kate and I was like, I've got it. Like, you know, every, I'm the only one, cause I was the only one at all of those events. I was the only one benefit benefiting from these me too stories and these aha moments. And I was like, I want to fill this book with these 10 chapters. So it's called your inner critic is a big jerk and other truths about being creative. So each chapter is a truth that, that is part of, just goes into being a creative person. And almost all of it came from listening to people on the creative block tour. So then now Kate's like, okay, what's the next book? And I was like, I don't know. And I've given myself the freedom to be like, I don't know, but I know it's going to come. If you listen and because you can get kind of stuck, like creative block was a huge success. Oh crap. Like, can I do it again? Um, and so you, it can paralyze you, you know? And so I now at a, um, at a point where I just trust that I'll be walking somewhere or driving or in the shower. And all of a sudden I've got it. Like that has happened so many times when I just relax. And so, and trust that you're a creative person, trust that these things come. If you are like, oh my God, I think I've got to think of the next amazing idea. It's not going to show up. (laughs) I can almost guarantee you. It's when you just trust yourself as a creative person, you relax, you listen and pay attention to the things that are happening around you and it'll just show up. You have to be prepared for it. You have to be watching for it. Otherwise it could just sail on by. 
Um, but you know, when I have those little things, I just jot them down because it often turns into the next thing. Nice. So it's, it's really, it's, it's being in that, staying in the creative process, uh, listening and, and being, uh, open to what the universe will bring basically. Yeah. And trusting yourself, trust that you, that you are a creative person and that, you know, um, who's, I can't remember who said it. Somebody in Creative Block said basically, oh, it might have been Amanda Happy again. She had some good quotes. She said, um, I asked about Creative Blocks, and she said, I guess I have Creative Blocks, but she said, I don't really think of them that way. She said, sometimes when I have no ideas, she's like, I just think it's a good time to be creatively quiet. You know, oh, I like that. Isn't that great? She said, yeah. there's just, and then she doesn't put pressure on herself. It's like, oh God, I've got nothing. She's like, that's okay. It's just, I'll just be quiet now. And she said, but lay in wait. You know, don't just shut it all down. Lay in wait, but enjoy the, you know, the quiet and be ready when the next idea hits. And I loved that because it takes all the pressure away. Right. Yeah. Nice. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, she has some good quotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I can't wait to get a hold of your neck. You know, the, the inner critic is a big jerk. I can't, your description of it, I just can't wait to get a hold of that one. Oh, thanks. And I was going to say what, uh, so cool, you know, we're talking about it being in my voice. Not only is it written in my voice, but um, I guess Audible, I don't know if they heard my podcast or, I, I don't know. But um, anyway, Audible has picked it up as an audiobook, and I got to go and record it and narrate yes. it. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's literally in my voice. Like, I will read it to you if you want. Good. And, and so that one, the, the actual hardcover comes out October 11th, and then the um, Audible one comes out October 25th. So that's going to be so weird because like, I haven't heard it back. I recorded it, but I haven't heard it back. Oh, I love audiobooks. I, I thank you for doing that. The, you know, I love it when the author, uh, you know, reads their own uh, work. Me too. And I just couldn't believe that because often like they'll, they'll hire voice talent to do it and they actually let me do it. And it was just the most surreal experience. And, um, you re- our- yeah, 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 I did. And I was like, it was cool to read it and, but to read it out loud was kind of odd and I got a really sore throat. <laughs> but but uh, it was uh, it's cool. So I'm curious to see uh, to see what ha- when <laughs> to see what people think of it. The audio guy that was recording it when I was done, I was like, "What do you think?" And he goes, "Wow, you sound Canadian." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I was like, "But I am Canadian." Yeah, he's like, I know. But he said, "If this was for a commercial, we'd have to like de-Canadianize you." And oh. I was like, oh, "I don't even know how to do that." <laughs> yeah, come on. Oh, that's. Oh, whatever. Decanadian highs, cheese. Yeah, I know. I got to just, that. it's me. I got a maple syrup and, you know, back bacon. I just got to take it all. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Danielle, this has been a great episode, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, and for, for those people who want to follow up and, and uh, you know, read more and listen to more about you, where can they go? Um, well, my blog is uh, thejealouscurator.com. My podcast is called Art for Your Ear, and you can just find that on iTunes, and there's links for it on my site. And then, oh, I'm everywhere socially. So, you know, Facebook and Instagram, everywhere, and it's just jealous, um, The Jealous Curator. Great. And yeah. uh, we'll have links in the show notes to everything mentioned. So thank you very much, Danielle. Thank you. That was really fun.